And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 15 of The Roundtable, where we yammer about baseball. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm joined by Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Gentlemen, how you doing? I always start with Andy. Mark, how are you doing first? I'm distracted. Not going to lie. Oh, okay. Uh, is there something we should know about? Well, I was just looking at images from the James Webb Space Telescope here on the New York Times app, which is very cool. And they're showing nebulas and exoplanets and home run balls that the 2012 Mets gave up. So that's pretty cool. There's a big debate whether deep sea is scarier than deep space. Uh, I am of the opinion that deep space scares me more. I'll, I'll take weird anglers with lights. Uh, deep space scares the hell out of me. Uh, yeah, I don't even think that's a debate. Deep space is way scarier than deep sea. Way scarier. Andy, do you have uh, a take on deep space versus deep sea? Yeah, definitely deep sea because you can get to deep sea. You can't get to deep space. I can't get to deep sea. It'll crush me like a peanut shell, Andy. Well, have you ever tried to go into <laughs> orbit, Grant? We don't have Hunter Pence on this show. We don't have any space cadets, all right? Like, this is a different show. I did my best in college, man. You should have been there. All right. But we are not here to talk about the James Webb Telescope. We're here to talk about Logan Webb. I don't know. That's not a good segue, but we're going to talk about... Well, no, that is a good segue, because Logan it, Webb... a great segue. We're talking about all-stars, and we're talking about snubs and opinions about snubs. We're not actually going to talk about snubs. I just like saying the word snubs. Uh, but we're going to talk about the All-Star Game and just general goings-on and transpirings with the All-Star Game. Who wants to start? I I think, I don't know. I will throw it out there. Who wants to start about All-Star Game stuff? I have a take. And I'm a little embarrassed to say this publicly because I don't want to be associated with this sort of movement. I think this All-Star Game could be good. I think that the home run derby might be fun. And I think most of the players will show up, which would be a big difference from last year. So last year there was a bit of a like almost critical mass of like so many guys just bailed. You know, some for like paternity leave reasons, some for sort of like fakeish injuries. Some guys just didn't want to come. Like the entire Astros contingent didn't go. I think most of that was related to who wants to go to Colorado to be in the altitude for two days. But I think being in Los Angeles, being at Dodger Stadium, there's just more uh, intrigue, I guess. There's more interest. And so you've got someone like Giancarlo Stanton who's always sort of, you know, he did the, he did the derby once. And he was like, all right, I did the derby. I did the derby, you know, because it was at the Marlins Stadium. I don't like everyone comparing me to Aaron Judge. I don't really want to, you know, be like this spectacle every year. Right. And he was like, well, if it's at Dodger Stadium, yeah, I might do the derby. Like I grew up there going to games. Like that'll be fun. And you forget how many players are actually from Southern California where this is like an actual, you know, dream come true. Uh, so like, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, it should be fun. It'll be nice to see Pete Alonzo, who it appears the good Lord put on this earth to win the home run derby competing. It'll be great to see Dave Jouse again. I think it actually for an event that is often quite tedious could actually be a fun, uh, little couple days. Dude, I'm with Andy on this. I think there's always this thread of too cool for school when it comes to the all-star game. And we saw it a lot with Colorado. And I, I think Andy's theory about why that happened 
That makes a lot of sense. So does his theory of changing locales this year. So I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. It's a reminder of just how many great players there are in the sport right now. Man, there's a lot of great players in the game. And I think it's wonderful. And to Pete Alonso and that point, like, you know, when I'm talking about too cool for school, Pete Alonso with the home run derby is the total opposite, right? I think <laughs> there's so many times where like, you got to beg those guys to go in the competition. And Alonso is like, you know, he's not even hiding how disappointed he would have been not to be able to do it. Like, I feel like he was super relieved that he was in position to go. He's going to import Dave Jouse, that he is in it to win it and like isn't afraid to just say that or act like it. And I think that's a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, it's to really... be clear. Dave Jouse no longer works for the Mets. Exactly. He is, he is an employee of the Washington Nationals and he I is mean... flying out there <laughs> to pitch middle in to Pete Alonso and watch him crush dingers. It's going to be fun. I will split the difference in that uh, I think once they changed the home run derby format uh, to its current format uh, a few years ago, the derby was eminently watchable every year. It's just, it's, I love the format. I love uh, just whoever you can throw out there. I don't care if you've got pitchers out there. I don't care if you've got utility infielders out there. Like, I just love the format. But then once you've got these big dinger swatting beasts like Alonzo, you know, now Stanton going out there, I love it. It's a great format. The Pujols, Schwarber. Yeah, that's fantastic. Schwarber, man. It's fantastic. The All-Star game itself, I enjoy to a point. But it's never going to be what it was. I mean, obviously, I'm not just talking about the days where, like, Hank Aaron would play 15 innings and they would get really mad at each other and it was they took it seriously. I'm talking about the, the days of Bo Jackson off of Rick Russell. I'm talking about the days where you would go uh, Fred Lynn hitting his grand slam because back then that was your chance to watch those players. That was the only chance you would get to watch, oh, here's Bo Jackson. I haven't seen hardly any of him. And you get to watch it that is cool as hell. Now you get to pull up videos of Mike Trout on your toilet when you're, you know, doing stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's different. It's it's not that the game is worse. It's that the need for it isn't as dire. Like back then you needed the All-Star game to get these players together to bash heads. It's less necessary, still fun, but I'm more excited about the home run derby. Dude, like that's such a great point, Grant. And, you know, you and I grew up in the Bay Area. I always felt lucky as a baseball fan because we had both leagues back in the day when you only had TV and radio like over the air. And there was a couple exceptions, right? The Braves were on cable and and the Cubs were on cable. But by and large, you were kind of limited of what you could see. And if you were in a city where you had one team and and it was a National League team, then you're a National League person. That was that. And yeah, I remember the All-Star game being so cool in that. You see all these guys on the same field, but like I felt lucky having grown up that way. And I knew a lot of the country did not. So as you say that, that it does like I'm with you, like it's never going to be quite the same. And I hadn't really thought about it in the way you had until you were saying that it it makes perfect sense. Like we just, you know, the other part of it, too, is that there was a time where those leagues were actually different. Obviously, the DH and that's the most obvious difference, but also the umpires were different. The league offices were different. The style of game was different. The punishment for certain things was different. There was a curfew in one league and not the other. The like, baseball was different, had different signatures. Baseball was different. And you know what? This is also back in the day where guys tended to stay put. So these guys didn't like each other. All right. Like there, there's a time where the leagues like straight up didn't like each other. And like, and we see, we've seen this, right? Like you look at those all-star game results where it was like 11 straight years. The National League didn't just win those games. It beat the crap out of the American League. And then it flipped. And it goes back and it's like, we're never going to get that again because the leagues are by and large kind of ceremonial at this point. And I feel like we're getting more and more to where it is just ceremonial difference, right? Like to me, the leagues now are, they might as well just be like divisions. Okay. If the same rules and then we're going to have like more balanced schedule, we have interleague. I mean, it's not like back in the day where these leagues actually didn't like each other. You know, and I thought that was, we're never going to get it back again. And I don't want to be like, oh, the good old days. I just think it, it is sort of like a difference in how that game is approached and seen. And, and like, I'm, I'll be interested to see if there's a way to kind of recapture some of it as the league, right, becomes singular rather than two separate ones. 
I don't want you to mistake this for uh, like misplaced nostalgia. I don't want to go back to the days where I didn't see all these players. I really enjoy just being able to pull up every single pitch that Max Scherzer has thrown and just look at all the videos until I'm like drunk on on his movement and stuff like that. <laughs> I just think it's like it's just it's hard to imagine and it's cool that this is how it was in an abstract way that in like 1973 you just you're hearing about Vita Blue. You just oh you know that Vita Blue exists. You've got a Sports Illustrated with Vita Blue on the cover. And you're just sitting there looking at it going, gosh, dang it, I want to watch Vita Blue pitch. You know, and maybe you can get a game of the week or maybe they, maybe things align, but maybe they don't. And then the All-Star game comes and everyone you know is all about the All-Star game. Never going to get it back. There's a lot more about the modern game that I like. I just think it's cool that that existed and I'm kind of envious of it. Well, Grant, I mean, you could replicate that feeling if you move to Iowa where the entire league is blacked out. <laughs> or Hawaii. Of, yeah, you know, move, yeah, like move to, move to Las Vegas and you'll be like, I would love to see Clayton Kershaw. Who is he? They say he throws a curveball like Koufax. <laughs> Dude, what a great blog that would be. Just to like imagine yourself in like a blacked out region of the country. Right. And like everything is new to you. Aaron Justice. No, Aaron Judge. Aaron, what? <laughs> he did what? He plays center field and does what? Like, you know, it'd be amazing. The Dodgers weren't on TV in L.A. for like six years. So, like, it's, you know, it's, it's not that impossible. I have a question for both of you that I think there's an obvious answer, uh, at least in one of the leagues. I think there's two good answers for the other league. Who should the starting pitchers be? <laughs> It's L.A. guys, no? It's Kershaw. It? Uh, Kershaw for me, 100%. Right. Like, I mean, that, that just kind of seems perfect. You're talking about, like, right, it lacks the, for lack of a better term, like, specialness, uniqueness of those earlier years, right, because we've been saturated and stuff like that. So you have to sort of manufacture moments. So you have to have situations like uh, Adam Wainwright, you know, throwing the, the world-famous uh, pipe shot to Derek Jeter, in 2014 in Minnesota, you know, you need to have, you know, sort of ceremonial things. And like what Clayton Kershaw at Dodger Stadium, I mean, it's it's fairly a slam dunk. I mean, it would be, you know, great for the sport uh, if they put someone who like had no one never heard of uh, in that role. But maybe I think if you wanted people to watch the game, like starting Kershaw and Otani or Kershaw and Verlander, you know, because Otani's thing, I you know, who can, who can say it's kind of like, uh, he did it last year. You know, last year was the Otani show. I think Kershaw Verlander would be pretty cool. Kershaw Otani would be, but that just to me seems like such a slam dunk. And like the commissioner's office, you know, Kershaw was a commissioner's office pick. I would assume there's going to be uh, some gentle, uh, you know, nudging in the direction of Brian Snicker. And like Brian Snicker's not an idiot. Like you know, I don't think he's going to be offending Max Freed if he doesn't start him. Um, like I, I think everyone here probably understands what the score is, but I guess we'll find out like in a couple couple days what the deal is. It's an exhibition game, okay? The roots of it were it's a charity event. That's how they began the All Star Game was they're raising money, and I think we went through the now it counts phase. Okay, we're done with that. <laughs> that was for awesome. The, like that, I mean, it's an exhibition game, that was so awesome. you know, go put on a show for people. We it, 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 people call it the show. This should be the manifestation of it, the midsummer. Just put on a show. And like I actually love that the commissioner has that power to do that, to add these legacy picks. I find it funny, like, you know, it, Katie Wu broke the story yesterday about Albert Pujols being in the home run derby. And I guess I shouldn't have been, but I was a little surprised that the uh the class of, oh my god, he's ancient, he doesn't deserve to be there. And it's just like, are you kidding? It's a freaking exhibition. Shut up. Okay, I don't I don't care. Like, I mean, if, if you hit one homer this year, I wouldn't give a crap. Like, you don't want to see Albert Pujols on a stage like that. And he wants to do it. There's a nostalgia aspect of it. You're, you're saying goodbye to this like legendary player. Getting me a break enough. You know, t- talking about like what his statistics are. It's just like you're missing the point. It's a freaking exhibition game. It's an exhibition event. I love that the league is leaning into it. I can maybe understand complaining about the statistics of an all-star right like if you're whether it's like one of the commissioner's two picks and the the, the, the legendary picks or whatever of Pujols and Cabrera or you're like complaining about you know like Paul Blackburn who's having a nice season but obviously is not having is on the team because he's on the Oakland A's I can sort of uh you know if I like poison my brain a little bit see understand like being upset about that but being upset about 
a guy getting a berth in the Derby. It's like, <laughs> whose spot is he taking? <laughs> like, is Willie Mopena? Did he want to come? Like, if he does, br- bring yeah, him in. You know, badass. if if Ichiro wants to do it, like, let him do it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know where the line is where you're talking about legacies and this guy's not just uh, not just a future Hall of Famer, but he's an inner circle uh, Hall of Famer who gets special treatment. I just know that Albert Pujols is there. I know that Miguel Cabrera is there. I know that Clayton Kershaw is there. Like, he is not just a very good pitcher on his way to the Hall of Fame, perhaps, if a few things shake his way. He's the literal best pitcher in Dodgers history. The the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers, I mean, they go back like 300 years. Justin Verlander... Same category. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are not borderline cases. This isn't like Bobby Abreu where you're going like, oh, you know, I think he should be in based on the stats. These are these are like dudes, historical. They define a generation and era. I want to see these guys more than Joe Mantiply. No offense to Joe Mantiply, <laughs> but like I want to just say, heck yeah, that's Clayton Kershaw. Even if he's not on merits, the All-Star Game started having a fantastic year. Maybe Tony Gonsolin's better right now if you had to pick a, a pitcher to win a game. But I want to see Kershaw. I want to see Miguel Cabrera. I know he's not hitting 340 and, and the stuff anymore, but he's hitting 300. I don't know. I, I'm all on board for the legacy stuff. Here's the deal, right? Like, so say you're you're working in the MLB office or, you know, you're working on Twitter, uh, which are the two options in life, I guess, right? And, and you think the idea is to grow the sport, right? Which, like, okay, sure, fine. Like, I don't care, but some people feel that way. You want people to watch Shane McClanahan. You want them to watch Tony Gonsolin. You want them to watch Sandy Alcantara. Like, you want to see those guys? You know what's a great way to get people to watch them? Have them pitch the seventh inning, or excuse me, the second inning after Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlander. Okay? Get them to turn on the television. They're not going to turn on the television for players on the Rays and the Marlins. That's just, sorry. Like, those teams don't sell out, whatever. Like, it is what it is. They're great players, and they can they should win the Cy Young Award. But, like, this is an exhibition. They're putting it on TV. Give people a reason to watch the game. Look, you said it earlier about manufacturing moments, and I think these legacy picks are an extension of that. It is an exhibition. I give the league a lot of credit for putting this together in this way. Like, that, these legacy picks, I think, are really, really smart. And you're always going to have players kicking around like that with big names that have done some great things that are kind of, you know, at the twilight of their careers that, frankly, it, I think it's a cool honor just to sort of pay some respect to what they've done in the sport. And also, yes, get some people to turn on the televisions because those are big names. They're familiar. Leaning into it, I think, is really smart. And yeah, what Andy said is also true. The best way to get you to watch these other guys that you want to maybe graduate to that level one day is to get folks to put the game on to begin with. So putting the names out there and leaning into the fact that this is a straight up exhibition, I think it's really smart. Hank Aaron made... 25 all-star games now that is there were some years in there where they had one all-star game in the middle of the season one at the the end of the season but just 25 all-star games and do you think that in every one of those seasons even though Hank Aaron is Hank Aaron that Hank Aaron had the best first half stats you know like he was just crushing it more than every other outfielder in every first half over those those couple decades No, you know, when he's 41 and he's making the All-Star game in 1975, uh, he's not the best player. But back then, you just sort of, you knew that's who you wanted to see. You didn't want to turn on the TV and see the player having the best first half. That's what drives me nuts about all the snub talk is that it's, oh, this guy, look at this guy's first half stats. Man, I don't care about first half stats. Like, And with very few exceptions, I want to see a combination of performing well and having performed well in the past more than like I want to see like a combination I don't want to just oh wow this guy's just out of nowhere he's the, he's the best player for the first couple months that doesn't excite me but if you have like a good player that you know is good having a good half that excites me and I want to see teams reflect that a little bit more I do just want to say Hank Aaron aged 35 to 39 slash line 299, 396, 601, OPS plus 168, averaged 41 homers a season and 101 RBIs. I guess that is how you hit uh, however many home runs it was. Holy shit. So good. Uh, 755. Wow. 
good lord. God, uh, yeah, good player. Uh, Grant, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. There have been a few, and I don't want to uh, both out my uh, uh, lack of baseball knowledge and uh, my internet trawling, but there have been a few people who have been mentioned as snubs who I've been like, I've never heard of that player. <laughs> I, I've, I don't. And you look it up, and it's like, oh, it's a reliever having a really nice year. And you're like, yeah, okay, like that's that's great. Like pitch the second half. 30 games of relief from a guy I've never heard of. Like, no, I, I would like to see, you know, like, I guess Josh Hader. I don't know. Is Josh Hader an all-star? He probably should be. He's really good, right? Still, he might be hurt. Who can say? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to see, you know, a mid, a guy who pitches the sixth or seventh inning, you know, for a, a team that's like four games above 500. Like, I, I would like to see Shohei Otani, I guess. Well, you know, we're, we're avoiding big time snub talk, but I, I need to quickly mention the fact that like literally one of the best free agent pitching signings in the last like couple of years, who's done nothing but p- produce results for his new team. It's uh, true. Max Scherzer year, snubbed again. <laughs> like how is Zach Wheeler not on the team? Like that's a that's a legitimate one, right? Because like to Andy's point, I get it. Like it, it's someone who's got 30 great innings. whoop de doo All right. But this guy signs a contract that the industry kind of like looked at sideways for a while and all he's done is pretty much take the mound and shove and you know after like a weird start to this year he's doing it again um for a team that by the way for all the stuff we've talked about is like (laughs) in playoff position (laughs) like i mean i i don't know like this guy zach wheeler has pitched really well not just this first half but really since he signed there and yeah i I think if we want to you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're trying to avoid the snub talk. But like that's that is one where like I looked at it and went, hmm, that is bizarre. The upside of the snub talk is that we get to say the word snub over and over again. Just a fantastic <laughs> word. It sounds like it like it's defined. The Zach Wheeler stuff is you know, the the actual reason for this is that it's the the one player per team rule. Do you guys still like that? Because I go both ways. I remember following teams that were so awful and having that one guy, even if he didn't quite deserve it, was a little treat. You know, I can have an all-star as a treat. At the same time, just to bring the Warriors up for the first time on this podcast, I remember what it's like to watch the Warriors for decades and be like, oh, I hope Jason Richardson's the all-star. Oh man, I hope he's, and then like he doesn't make it and it's, oh shucks. And it makes the all-star when you do get it more more meaningful it's like oh finally like this is this is a defining moment so i go both ways where do you guys stand on the one all-star game per team i love it they should never get rid of that you know your to your experience there grant like there's more fans in that boat right where your team's out of it or they're in a small market and so there's a lot of things going against you having an all-star if you just kind of left it to be organic and i don't know i feel like you want to include those places too, right? Even if it's one guy. And, and yeah, it sounds like trite if you if you haven't, if you don't live in a place like that, if your team isn't one of those small teams or your team's really good all the time. I think that's important, man. And it's almost like it's a just a symbol of like having everyone there, like every team represented. I think and adds to what's special about the exhibition, right? Is that everybody's there. It's the one time where the whole thing descends onto one spot and i I don't know i I think that would kind of suck to lose something like that you know it's interesting i was pretty when you initially started brought it up i was like oh get rid of that that rule sucks but then i was thinking about it more i mean mark made some good points for once and also like (laughs) if i wanted to watch like if i wanted to watch like these teams would be overrun with representatives from certain clubs both through fan voting and through you know like whatever dint of who has the best players but like when I want to watch like the Dodgers and the Braves and the Yankees and the Astros, like I just watch the playoffs, you know, like that's what that is for. This at least like has some sort of, uh, you know, a little bit of a little bit of intrigue. You know, you get maybe Joe Mantiply pitches like the seventh, like that could be fun. Uh, you know, who, who could have seen it coming? Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess my answer would be I wish there were fewer teams. <laughs> and they kept that rule. Now I, I'm biased, okay, because my my brother is a hardcore A's fan, and I swear once a week I get a text from him that says, "Hey, who's on Yes Network two tonight? Oh, it's the Yankees and Red Sox." He's talking about ESPN, and so I think about folks like that root for teams like that, where they're never on national television, right? And they shouldn't be because they stink, 
right? Right now, the A shouldn't be on any television at this point. They're <laughs> awful, all right? But, you know, like, it, we know this, right? You see the same five or six teams on the biggest stages for good reason. The All-Star Game is a way to at least include some of those that are just never going to be on that stage. So, I, yeah, I am biased because I get that text literally once a week. But, yeah, you should think of those fans, too. I've been professionally thinking about the All-Star Game like a sucker for decades now. And my big mushy brain finally came up with an idea of how to how to split this hair. I think you should set the rosters the way you would. Zach Wheeler's on, Carlos Rodano's on. And then you look and you see the teams that aren't represented. And then you take one and you just have one from each of those teams. Now you have jumbo rosters, which I think is a, a, an asset to the All-Star game. Uh, and now every team's represented. Now you have those players thinking, oh, this is like Charlie Brown's Valentine with my name crossed or, you know, the name crossed out and my name written in. Who cares? I think that that's that's fine. You're still an all-star. It's still a line drive in the box score, so to speak. Uh, I think that would be a way to kind of appease both sides. Isn't that more or less what happens just in different order? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I really do. I think, you know, this player can't go and Bryce Harper's voted in. He's not going to be there. That's why like, I, I want to write this hot take for, the, for you know, the Giants part of my job to be, well, Carlos Rodon and Logan Webb should be in the All-Star game. They're probably going to be there. You know, like, it's this guy's going to drop out, that guy's going to drop out. I don't know. And if they're not, like, oh, well. Yeah, get some rest, like, guys. You know, yeah, take... I mean, like, I Rodon actually made a, a good point, and I guess this applies to Webb, too, because Webb's never been an all-star, and, and Rodon was talking about, like, Dylan Cease, you know, is who he feels bad for. Like, Cease has a really good case in the American League, um, and he's never been. So, like, I understand it from that perspective, you know, if it's, like, it's something, you know, that, like, was, like, when I covered the Dodgers, it, Justin Turner plays third base, right? Well, playing third base in the National League, it's kind of tough to make an all-star team, you know, when you had uh, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, and uh, a- uh, Anthony Rendon. Uh, so but when he made it in 2017, when he was like the 45th guy or whatever, like it meant the world to him, you know? And like he understood like, hey, I might not be – exactly at that level but i'm pretty good he was the best hitter on the best team in baseball and like he gets to be an all-star you know so i i i i am more receptive to like that sort of snub for like a guy who's been a really good player for a really long time and is kind of hitting a log jam like i don't particularly feel bad for like freddie freeman who's been an all-star however many times and is like just kind of put snub pushed out for now He's got the newspaper to deal with, too. Jeez. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not just that third rail. Woo! <laughs> I'm a proud Los Angeles Times alum. I, I, Do you want to get the kids involved uh, with baseball these days? Is that one of the goals? What popular old band is still uh, popular with the kids? Rock band from the 70s. Uh, the Beatles. 70s. Which band are they still talking about? They made a movie about it. Awesome movie. movie. Queen. Who does Dylan Cease look like? Brian May. Freddie Mercury. Okay. I've never seen Dylan Cease. Oh, you haven't? Look up. Oh, Dylan. I'm going to look it up. Sorry. I was trying to do the wind horse. But uh, pull up oh, Dylan Cease. Maybe, maybe we should redo that. I, I stepped all over that. No, that's okay. That's okay. No, no. no you should do it. It's funny. It's, well, now it's not funny. It's not spontaneous. Yeah. yeah and that's then, right. then, and wow. they should keep this so that we're not like fibbing to our audience. This is great. Yeah, he does look like him. Wow. <laughs> I think this is a hundred times funnier than my bit. <laughs> We're keeping this. Um, no, seriously, though, I hadn't seen Dylan Cease until the White Sox played the Giants. And uh, when I, he came on the screen, I was all, holy shnikes, he is a dead ringer for Freddie Mercury. And I think that's got to be intentional. Kids will eat that up. Kids love Freddie Mercury these days. All right, let's move on. All right. We're going to talk about uh, Braves Mets because is this, he says in uh, Scarecrow, the only race that matters? I believe that one of you has that opinion. Braves Mets, the only divisional race we're caring about? Hot take. Coming up on the round table. <laughs> like right now? You mean, are we going? Do we have ad reads? 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation all through a barely-there poke-hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info theathletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. It matters in that it's the only divisional race that will actively affect who's going to get a buy. You know, because if you look at the standings right now, right, it's Dodgers, Mets, Braves. Uh, then the Padres and the Padres are seven and a half back, you know, like they're not totally out of the West, but like they have, you know, seven and a half against the team that's objectively a bit better than you is tough. But, you know, the Braves and the Mets, they play, I think, 14 more times and like, a, you know, third, they got a five game stand at City Field next uh, month. It's going to be just delightful, um, you know, so and those are two teams who are pretty evenly matched. And the winner of that race will get a buy, which is a really significant thing because you're just that just you know increases your championship win expectancy or whatever the effing uh, thing is called now. It makes it easier to win a World Series. That's the words I'm looking for because you don't have to play in the in the wild card round, right? So like yeah, it really is kind of the only race that has a significant effect on the postseason. I think because you know if you look at the central two central races, right, like. Those are kind of like win or get in, but they, it doesn't appear that they will really affect the wild card. I guess it shifts so much. But anyway, yeah, that's my take at the very least, that this is this is going to be a fun uh, fun summer between those two clubs. Well, you've got stakes, which is always important, right? And those are big stakes, obviously. You've also got two really, really good ball clubs that do it differently. And you also have two clubs that have history, right? Like we're talking Mets and Braves. Like, they're, you know, there's... Lots of examples of those teams duking it out in the past. And I think one of the great things about baseball is that you can always find that kind of link. And in this case, it's not that hard to find. But I'm fascinated by the fact they're going to play a ton more. There are big stakes. 
There's great players on both teams, and they do it entirely differently because one team hits a bunch of bombs and is totally unapologetic for it, which I think is wonderful. And you got a team that <clears throat> probably should hit a few more, but they've made it work to this point. And I think, you know, we've talked about this with the Mets, right? Like, there's a lot of professional hitters good at bats. Is there some luck in there? Absolutely. Is it sustainable the way they did in the first half? I'm not sure. But I think if they got a little bit more pop in there, it would help them out. Point is, like, it, it, they go about it in different ways. And both rosters are just stocked with a bunch of good baseball players. So, yeah, it's hard not to, not to watch that closely, especially with how much they've got, you know, to play each other moving forward and also the stakes involved. So, yeah, it might be the only one that matters. It's certainly the most intriguing, I think. I will go through uh, the middle road again and say that, Andy, your points are valid. And, and I, I really, I'm tuned in to what you're thinking. It's like, heck yeah, I'm seeing it your way. I The buy is really important. And on the other side... I hate that we're talking about a first round buy. I hate the shit out of it. I just, I don't like talking about buys in baseball. I don't, like, I don't like, I don't know. It's it's not, to me, I want to see more playoff baseball from the Dodgers and Braves and Mets, not less playoff baseball. I want to see the Dodgers play. I love that the wild cards would bash each other in a game and then you'd have one bedraggled team limping into the, the LDS. I like that format. I don't like all the wild cards just going blurp and then they're getting spit out against the Dodgers who have been sitting there waiting patiently. I hate the buy. I hate it more than I think I've realized until you started talking about because I want to care about the Cardinals and Brewers. I want, I like both of those teams as far as they they're good teams. They're flawed teams. They're teams that match up well. Uh, I I just like I like both of those teams how they're constructed, what they can do at the deadline. I want to care about the Cardinals and Brewers more. But you're right. It's it's going to be a fight for the buy. What are we doing? We're talking about buys. The expanded playoffs are a scourge. They've been a scourge, you know, since the, I mean, there was the 2020 was, we can rule it out because it was so messed up, but like it's, this has been the problem from the outset, right? Is that it's going to reduce the number of meaningful games in the regular season. And so that's the trade-off, right? Is you get the TV money and you get the excitement of the wild card round, but it means August and September are just going to be less interesting because the games are just going to have less meaning. I mean, I personally think the best playoff system that has existed during my lifetime, and it was my birthday last week. Thank you, Mark, for attending and uh, eating some pizza. Thank you, Grant, for your, uh, you know, your thoughts from while you were away. The best playoff system was when there were three division winners and one wild card. I think that while that did obviously create problems in the American League East um, because those were where all the good teams are. I think that generally produced the least variance and gave the best teams a chance to play playoff baseball. I understand why the wildcard game has been invented. It's been great for my career, but I still feel like it's, you know, it's been a net negative for the sport. My favorite is still five postseason teams where you have three division winners and you have that wild card game where you were just the nuttiness of like the A's Royals game. That that was just perfect. That's baseball perfection to me. But now you're at a point where, look, I'm going to read the teams that are actually within four games of the AL wild card hunt. You have the <laughs> Rangers the White Sox, the Orioles, and the Guardians. Are you telling me, like, man, I get that Orioles fans have been patient, and I get that Rangers fans have been patient, but are you telling me I have to care about an Orioles-Rangers game? I don't even know if they're playing each other for the rest of the year. I just, am I supposed to care about an Orioles-Rangers game? There's a lot of baseball season left, Grant. Oh, and uh, when you play baseball games, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. <laughs> and I suspect those teams will do more losing than winning. Uh, in the future. <laughs> I was looking at the, the how the Orioles are doing this, and their baseball reference page is objectively hilarious because every player on the team, other than like like Adley, they have 10 walks and 500 strikeouts, 
And every down the line, doo, 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 they're all striking out like 30, 40%. And somehow they're making it work to almost get to 500. I respect the hell out of it. No, I'm probably not going to have to care about too many Orioles games in the future. But I don't know. Like, But we're even talking about it halfway through the season. That's the scourge of the, the extra wild card spots. I don't like it. I don't like it, man. I'm old. I'm willing to give it a shot, which is surprising. Like, I, I tend <laughs> to just like. You talked about the best version of it, man. Go back to the eight team divisions where there was like four playoff teams. Like, but, but I mean, I half kid about that because I, I think it is important to have more playoff teams. It's just the reality of where we're at. So I don't. I'm willing to give it a shot. Like, I, I'm willing to see how it plays out. I, you know, I think. Yeah. Now the thing is, I say that it's not like they're ever going to go back. Right. There's no adjustment to be made where they're like, yeah, you know what? Uh, we're going to cut down the playoff teams. This is only it. expansion. This is yeah. it. Yes. So, you know, um, but I did like the one game aspect of it a lot more than I thought I would. I remember that was one where I'm like, this isn't baseball. This is bullshit. And then like it happened and I'm like, oh, I was wrong. This is awesome. This is great. You know, like it. So. Yeah, I guess I take it from that vantage point of like, I know what like like the old school person in me is thinking, but at the same time, they're, they're never going to take the spots away, right? I think maybe the question is, do we hold it here or do you find like, do you introduce the one game aspect of it again so that you don't have that gap of time? Like we talked about that before. Like if you, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I you know, I just know that like talking about like, cutting back the playoff teams that that ain't ever happening i think the real if there's going to be a shift in format the real answer is to add two more teams and then you have like four even divisions and then you oh and you don't like expansion come on let's get some montreal voyages come on no he's so angry you made him have you watched the product do you think there are 50 Guys who can be spread out currently? Have you watched the product? Farhan wants to uh, claim all of them on waivers, yes. Jeez. They can't all be 2021. I don't know, man. I, with the, the driveline stuff and everyone's throwing 95, 100, I, I could go for another 50, uh, 52 players in Montreal and Portland. Come on, but honestly, like you want to get to that platonic ideal of thirty-two teams, because then you're uh, sixteen in each league, blah blah blah. I think that that there's room for that. You don't you don't want a team in Nashville, Andy? It would be Nashville and Vegas, I think, yeah, uh, which yeah, is great. You know, I really like Nashville, and uh, you know, I have a, a a gambling problem, so like those are both great. <laughs> Steve Nesbitt and I are working on a series of stories about expansion, and uh, I have not met many baseball people who look at the current landscape and say, yeah, this would be better if we diluted this. I mean, what's, what's, well, I don't know. We might get into Grant's college days if I, if we talk about what's better when it's diluted. (laughs) I don't know. They're going to expand the playoffs, right? Before they expand the actual league, uh, I I would assume. And so, you know, when, and that I would, I, that wouldn't happen until the next CPA. I don't even know. Like I, they kind of just make up the rules as they go along. The good thing is this is that there are five, I think, really, really, really good teams this year, right? I think there's a tier of five. It's the the Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Braves. I think the Padres are, you know, they're just a tier underneath. Of those five, right, four will, as much as Grant hates it, they will get buys. And so they will probably get rewarded for, you know, uh, th- you know, spending as the you know the Yankees and the Mets and the Dodgers did, and the building from within that the Astros and the Braves have done. Um, so that's generally a, a good thing. It's it's more you don't want to reward teams for racing to the middle, and that's the problem if you expand it out to seven, you know, a fourteen team field. Is when you reward teams for racing to the middle, I think. It, uh, it just discourages competition. It discourages spending. It discourages aggression at the trade deadline. I mean, like we talked about this last week. You know, we're going to get – maybe it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago or whatever. But we're going to see how much teams really value just getting into the tournament because there's a lot of clubs who could get better if they, you know, decided to try and make additions. And, like, of the Rangers and the Guardians and the White Sox and the Orioles, I'd say the only – of those four, the team that's most likely to kind of be aggressive is the White Sox because they have Tony La Russa as their manager and a record payroll. And the other clubs are probably either going to stamp out or sell. 
So what does that tell you about the value of that spot? Yeah, if I'm a GM, uh, well, first off, I'm a GM. Pat Venditti is my closer, just because it's funny. Um, but if I'm a GM, I think that this format makes me want to go, I'm more inclined to go all in at the deadline, just because that one game, one and done, and you're trading prospects for a rental player, and then you get in there and you run into a buzzsaw, you've got a pitcher who shuts you down for one game, and then you're out. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't like my odds in a coin flip game in a wild card situation in this format where you you've got a three it's a best of three game series right is it do i have that right for the wild card format you know i think we talked about this last week and all agreed we didn't know and then none of us looked it up so no maybe the home team we'll hosts all uh, the, the higher seed hosts all threes it did did you look that up or just text relic um i looked it up and then i think i did text relic Home team hosts all three. I, you know, I will still as a GM. Do we like that? I, that's annoying. I get why they do it though. It's, it's, <laughs> you guys are it's making me I got to go check it now because, like, I'm terrified. No, it makes wrong. sense because my brain's kind of. You, you can't have travel days. You got to. Right. You got to get through. Correct. It. So it does. Home team hosts all. This three. shit I mean, changes every year. A, so. That's something of a reward, I guess. That's it is, but it, then you're going to get a situation where you're going to go down to like the third tiebreaker, and it's interdivision game against AL Central stuff, and that's who gets all three home games. I don't know about that. Welcome back to the roundtable, where we talk about everything that happened in March of 2022. <laughs> like, I, you you bring up a point about urgency, right? Like what this system and racing to the middle and all that. Like, is there anything about this industry? If he, that would give you the benefit of the doubt that they would like try harder is the opposite. I think I think you got a game in which people are looking for reasons not to try as hard because they don't want to part with assets, air quotes. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, that that's the thinking that I feel has pervaded the sport. And that's why um, these discussions happen, because that race of the middle aspect is a real threat. Um, you know, I think when you see this, like by and large, like if, if you had to bet on less urgency and more from these front offices like I, I feel like less is always a pretty solid bet you know they're looking for reasons not to have to like expend capital air quotes <laughs> prospect capital yeah because they're all looking forward to the day where they're uh, like a perpetual motion machine where they've got the prospects in place and now they're stars and they're feeding it with more prospects that's the that's the, the platonic ideal of what they're trying to do it's just it can only happen for like one or two maybe three teams at a time and so all these teams are just going to spin their wheels so there's no urgency, but there's got to be urgency for a team like the Mariners, right? And I guess we've talked about the teams that have urgency: the White Sox, the White Mariners, Sox, obviously, the yeah. Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> I would, man, go all in, go all in, get them some help. So, okay, I'm looking at the standings as of right now. The Mariners and the Blue Jays are tied for the sixth spot. Uh, this yeah, is so the, correct. The Blue Jays came when through did, Seattle over the weekend and did not have a nice go of it. So, did the, the Blue Jays like stink, huh? Yeah, they don't pitch. And the Mariners well, have uh, Julio Rodriguez, who is uh, officially a dude. So maybe a dude stink is stink is strong, but the, the well. Jays don't pitch, and and some of their guys that you would expect to have monster seasons have had good seasons they haven't quite put it all together yet though and so they're an interesting case actually because it's like you haven't seen the best of that lineup right and then we're talking about them quote-unquote stinking a little bit and yet i don't think they've been out of playoff position all season long i mean they're getting a a really good year from manoa they're getting a a really good year from the gas man uh rowdy ross has, has filled in well those are the only bold names i see on this baseball reference page in the rotation so that would lead me to believe that something has gone awry. Yeah, they don't have um, the depth. Jose Barrios Kakuchi's on the phantom DL right now because he's yeah. been just atrocious. Barrios hasn't been quite what he'd been in Minnesota. Right, and so, Mr. Ryu is out for the right. year. Yeah, that's a bit of a And again, they don't have problem. like this wealth of arms to fill in gaps with. And so that's what you're seeing is that, you know, like, like the gas man, as you call him, like took that ball off the leg. And his status has been up in the air. And, you know, they are having a, a devil of a time trying to figure that out. You know, throwing innings at this problem every five days. And it, it's not, has not gone well. And as you know, if that's what's going on with your pitching, it is impossible to look good. And their <laughs> last road trip was atrocious. Boy, did they look bad. Because I caught a couple of those games and I'm like, they were supposed to be good and they kind of stink right now. And it is obvious why. 
Welcome back to OK Pod Jays, where we discuss who is on the Blue Jays. <laughs> Dave Steve. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Key. Rance yeah. Mullins. Rick Gruber. Rance Ricky Mullins. Henderson. Ricky Henderson. Danny Ainge. I think, that's the best, I think that's the best Ricky Henderson story, by the way, since the John Olerud one is not true. But uh, everyone's talking about where they were when Joe Carter hit the home run and Ricky goes, I was on second base. That's the best. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best Ricky Henderson story. Uh, all right. We're, we're going to end this now because we're 47 minutes in. Uh, but before we go, I just want to point out that George Bell, Jesse Barfield, Lloyd Mosby, hell of an outfield. Hell of an outfield growing up. That was just a fantastic outfield. But this has been episode 15 of The Roundtable. We will be back next week. I think if I'm timing this right, we're going to have Home Run Derby thoughts next week. We're going to talk about the Futures game. We're going to talk about the Celebrity Softball game. Like, come on, you got Brian Cranston out there. Can he play ball? Who, who thinks Brian Cranston can play ball? I do. We just got to know from our producer, Brian, Cranston can pick it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'll believe that. I'll believe that. I'm just thinking about how much would have to go wrong in my life for me to have thoughts about the Futures game. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I look forward. I look forward to it. I just want to add more Blue Jay names to the list. It'd be Dwayne Ward, Tom Henke, Jimmy Key. Rondell White. Is C. Celespi, is that a Blue Jay? Yeah, no, he's Rangers. Come on. Come on, come on. Give it to me. Give it to me. And no. no Judges? Just Rangers. No. Tom Henke, the closer with the big old glasses. Nasty. Reed Johnson? I'm thinking Brett Cecil. That's what I'm thinking. Brett there, Cecil. Brett, that's Brett the Cecil. one. Brett Cecil. Brett, what was that other guy? Brett Lowry. Mm. Remember, Remember that? Brett Lowry? Remember that season where the, the first half, his defensive stats were like, he's saving 18 wins uh, with his glove because they, they screwed up and they didn't account for shifts. Have we devolved into remembering some Jays? Because oh, yeah. Alex Rios has checked into the chat. <laughs> hey, you know who Alex Rios played for? That's the right fielder on the 2015 Kansas City Royals. Mm, Thank you very much. Who, who played next to him? Lowe. In center field? Was it? Uh, Lowe was well, on his team, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it, w- it would have been Lorenzo Cain. He was a center fielder, except in uh, late and close situations when they were ahead, Lorenzo would move to right field, and they would actually play Gerard Dyson in center field because while uh, Lorenzo was a better center fielder than Gerard Dyson, he was a plus right fielder, and Dyson was still a plus center fielder. And so then you had a very difficult outfield to get it hit in with uh, Platinum Glover, Alex Gordon in left field, Gerard Dyson in center field, and Lorenzo Kane in right field. I'm going to get a little bell that I can go bing for every time the Royals come up, every time the Warriors come up, bing. Uh-huh. Yep. I think I think uh, we need it. All right. This hey, is play the hits. This is fun. <laughs> this has been episode 15 of the Roundtable. We will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. See you then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.